can. We, uh, today we're going to uh, continue our study of John's gospel and we've made it to chapter 10 and uh, there's a lot in this. And uh, what I've titled the message today is simply this, by works and words, by works and words. Now, when times are desperate and someone needs a job, one of the best references they can have is when someone will speak on their behalf to a prospective employer and speak good words, words that are encouraging and words that are edifying concerning that person. But there's a second way that we can also find that job, and that is by our work history, by how well we have done as we have worked in the past, and that speaks very very highly as well. In our text today, we see both of these. And Jesus, not only by his works, but also by the words that he speaks today. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read a little bit out of John 10, starting in verse 31. We're not going to read all of it because I'll be going back and forth to it quite often. But I'm going to start in verse number 31. And it says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Now, remember they're at the Feast of the the Dedications, Hanukkah, and uh, Jesus has been telling them he is the light of the world. He's been telling them who he is, and uh, they're quite upset with him. And he said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and they follow me. And uh, basically saying to them, you guys don't know me, and you're not following me. And Jesus answered them, many good works. I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray today as you just give us your word. And Father, your word is truth. And Father, your word is powerful. And I just simply ask for the exposition of the text today to drive home the point of who Jesus truly is, the very Son of God, by his works that he did and by the words that he spoke. And Lord, help us each of us, to live out his likeness. And my prayer is for anyone here today who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that today they would come to know him as Lord and Savior of their lives. And I ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. You may be seated. There are three major points that I want to make today. And the first one is in our text in verse number 31 through verse 33, and it's this. The rejection of Jesus by the Jews. So we have three major themes. The first off is the rejection of Jesus by the Jewish people. Now last week we talked about Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights, the Feast of Dedication. It's around our Christmas time, and so it was winter at this time. And we also looked at the assurance of salvation. And Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and they know my voice, and they follow me. But... Jesus was speaking plain truth, and what they wanted to do was stone him. And they had the temple was always a work in progress, so there were plenty of stones around the temple. So what do they do? When they hear the words they don't like, they reach down, grab a stone, and they are ready to stone Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, he's telling them the truth. He's telling them how much he loves them. He's telling them about his father, and they want to stone him. And what they were doing, they were looking for an acceptable way 
to do this. So what they were trying to do was entrap Jesus by using their law. So what they do in Leviticus 24, 16, it says, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. So they're saying, aha, he's saying he is God. He's saying he's doing the works of God. So guess what? We have now the opportunity to stone him to death. And it goes on to say, all the congregation shall certainly stone him. The stranger as well as him who is born in the land. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall be put to death. They were thinking, all right, we have this foolproof plan. And we're going to stone Jesus. This is our opportunity. But then, here's what happens. Jesus says in verse 24, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, plainly tell us. So what they were hoping for is that by his answer that he would put himself in that place of condemnation so they could stone him. And in verse number 30, watch what it says. He said, I and the Father are one. So when Jesus said, I and the Father are one, they thought, aha, now we have him. Now we have him. I mean, he is in our sights, and we are going to destroy him now. But then, verse 33 says, The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. So, the very first thing that we have here, the Jews are rejecting Jesus, and they're now prepared to stone him, But then we see the second thing. The reason, listen, the reason Jesus gave to the Jews that would exonerate him. So they're saying, all right, we've got him. We've got our stones in our hand. We're ready to stone Jesus. And then Jesus says this, starting in verse 34. He says these words. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? So basically he's going back. They're saying the law says. So Jesus goes back and says, wait a minute, hold on. Doesn't it say in your law for a good work? Excuse me. Jesus said, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blasphemed? Because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But I do, though you do not believe me, because the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in you. Him. So, what Jesus was actually doing was quoting Psalm 84. In Psalm 84, he, he talks about gods. Now, watch what he says here. And I'm not going to read it all, but it's talking about the judges. It's talking about the, those who were responsible for being over the, the law of Israel and, and, uh, and, and making sure the poor were taken care of, making sure the needy were taken care of, making sure those who broke the law were punished. And then he said in verse 6, I said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Now, when he said that, what he was speaking about, he was speaking to the nation of Israel, but he was speaking of the judges who would judge righteously the nation of Israel. He's saying, 
You are gods. Why are you gods? You're not gods like God, but, but you are over them. You are judging them. Therefore, you are little g, gods. You are the judges carrying out the word of God to the nation. And when Jesus said that, he said, listen, those were human beings. They were human beings just like me. But there's one major difference. I'm not just a human being. I am very God. Therefore, I can say, I and the Father are one. And the judges at that point, trying to judge Jesus, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the other religious leaders, they didn't know what to say. They were stumped by what he said. So Jesus is basically saying, how can you blaspheme me for what I'm saying to you when Psalm 82 says this? And the word of God cannot be broken. It's infallible. It's inerrant. So, what are you going to do? Here's what often happens. People take the word of God and try to make it say what they want it to say. Amen? And what that does, it takes a text out of context. Therefore, it becomes a pretext. Therefore, it is not a text at all. So that's why it's so important. As Jesus is, is walking down with them through this, he's saying, listen, you, you've taken the Scripture out of context. And by taking the Scripture out of context, now you're wanting to stone me. That's exactly what they were doing, and that's what so many people do today. Amazingly, amazingly, the Scriptures were designed to testify of Jesus. In John 5, 39, he said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me, Jesus is saying. Listen, you want to you know me? Look at the Scripture. The Scripture testifies who I am. Well, they didn't want to look at the Scripture. And also the Scripture expounds on Christ. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded to them in all the scriptures things concerning himself. So Jesus is basically saying, listen guys, look at the scripture. What are you going to see? You're going to see me. You're going to see me. So what you need to do is get in the word of God. And what they were trying to do, they were trying to take the scripture out of context and therefore take the life of Jesus. Isn't it amazing? How we do things such as that. You know, you can take this scripture and this scripture and this scripture and you can put them together and you can make them say anything. And people do that all the time to justify their behavior, their lifestyle, or what they want to do. Now, think about it like this. Everything that Jesus had done his words, his works. Verse 37, verse 38, 39. Watch what he said. If I do not do the works of my Father, don't believe me. Don't believe me. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good litmus test, isn't it? Listen, if I'm not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I'm doing the works of my Father, then here's what you have to do. Though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. So Jesus was saying, hey... My works show who I am. That's why I titled it Works and Words. My works show you who I am because the very characteristics of God you see in me is what he's telling them. 
Well, they didn't want to understand that. They didn't want to see that. They, they didn't want to look at the attributes of God. What they wanted to do was convict. And that's why in verse 38 it says these words. Though you do not believe me, believe the works. Believe what I'm doing. And, and think about it. What, what has Jesus already done? Just in John's gospel alone. I mean, in, in John chapter 1, what does he do? He, he said, I saw Nathanael under a fig tree. And he's telling Philip this. And F- Philip didn't know where Nathanael was. But what he is doing there in John chapter 1 and verse 48, he said, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Do you know what he's basically saying? I'm God. I, 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 know, I know all things. He's, he's saying, I'm omniscient. I, I know everything that's going on. And then in John 2, we see Jesus turning the water into wine. And, and basically by that, he, we're see, we see his, his omnipresence. He has the power over all elements of creation. In John chapter 3, we see him ministering to Nicodemus, who is a wealthy Pharisee. And then in John chapter 4, we see him witnessing to this woman at the well who is a Samaritan. She is an outcast. And what Jesus is showing us there, it doesn't matter if you're up here or you're down here. With Jesus, it's all level ground. It's all level ground. He's no respecter of persons. And then we move a little bit further in John chapter 5. We have uh, the paralyzed man of 38 years by the pool of Siloam. And he heal that man and Jesus shows that he has compassion on the sick and on the suffering and then John chapter 6 we move a little bit further and we see that Jesus fed 5,000 and we see that his provision and care is for all people the basic needs of people Jesus wants to meet and then in John chapter 8 we saw the woman caught in the very act of adultery and then Jesus said, basically to her, after all of the accusers dropped their stones, because they wanted to stone her too, he says these words, No one, Lord, Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. Jesus shows incredible compassion. The law said we've got to stone this lady. And Jesus says, I forgive you of your sins. Now, think about this. Aren't you glad that he forgives all of us of our sins? Because every single one of us could be condemned. And we deserve to be condemned. But by His mercy and by His grace and by His love, we see over and over and over again in John's Gospel how Jesus continues to give people opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And then in John chapter 9, we see that Jesus healed that blind man showing that God can do the impossible. And then in John chapter 11, we're going to see that Jesus can even raise the dead when he raises up Lazarus. Listen. He said, listen, look at my works. You see? You see what I've done? But they were blind. They were intentionally blind. And and when I read through that and I see over and over and over the response, I'm like, guys, what is wrong with you? Why are you rejecting Jesus? He's given you all of these miraculous signs. You know, in the New Testament alone, there's over 2,000 prophecies. 330 of those prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. 
330. One person. Absolutely impossible to not be the son of God. And then, guess what? John even goes on to say in John chapter 20, he said, listen, truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. In fact, in verse, the next verse he says, if they were all written, the world couldn't even contain the books. There are so many. And those were the works that Jesus did. Look at verse 41 with me quickly. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign. That's John the Baptist. But all the things that John spoke about this man were true. So you say, listen, the evidence is here. I mean, John said it, his words, and Jesus fulfilled it. We're living in difficult times. We are living in, I believe, end times. I believe we are seeing prophecies fulfilled, and I believe that we're going to see many more prophecies fulfilled. And the question that each of us have to consider is this. When I look in John's gospel, we've made it to chapter 10, and we've seen his works, we've seen the miracles. And we have to ask ourselves the penetrating question, do I believe it? Do I believe it? Are these just words on paper or is this truth? And we have to come to a place where we make the decision, I believe that Jesus is the very Son of God and that he performed these miracles. And John the Baptist testified of him and the Jews rejected him. We have the powerful testimony of John the Baptist saying, listen, this is the very Son of God that takes away the sin of the world. Thirdly, the response of the Jews to Jesus after he speaks. This is the most disheartening thing in the, in the entire text. Think how hard their hearts had to be to reject. Therefore, they sought again to seize him. But he escaped out of their hand. You know why he escaped out of their hand? Because it was about 40 days later that he would go to the cross, and it wasn't his time. And nothing was going to go according to God's plan except God's plan. And God had an exact timing for that. Isn't it amazing? They wanted to harm him. But you know, <clears throat> not surprisingly, people still want to harm Jesus today. And they want to harm the followers of Jesus today. <laughs> when you look... At what he did. When you see him healing the, the, the man at the pool who'd been paralyzed for 38 years. When you see him turn the water into wine, showing the joy. When you see Jesus healing that blind man. When you see Jesus giving life to Lazarus. When you see Jesus healing the leprous man. All of the works that he shows us points to who he is.
And yet, people rebel. They reject. And they ridicule Jesus. Listen. He is our only opportunity. There is not a plan B for salvation. Many people say, you know what, I'm going to do it on my own. No, you can't do it on your own. There's only one way, and that's coming to Jesus because we have seen his works and we have read his word. And by his works and his word, we can stand assured that he is the very son of God. Question. Are you ready for Jesus to return? Are you ready for Jesus to return? And what I mean by that is your heart. Are you ready for Jesus to return? Because he's going to come like a thief in the night. Are you ready? For Jesus to return. Look at the works and the words and ask yourself that pressing question. If Jesus returned today, would I go to be with him or would I be left behind? John the Baptist said in John one twenty nine. the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, this brings us to those who heard the words of John the Baptist in verse 41 and 42. This is a different group. Jesus has left Jerusalem. And now here's this group over the other side of Jordan. And it said, Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true. And watch, watch, watch what it said. And many believed in him there. Why? Because of the words and because of his works. Many responded. But I'm satisfied there were some there that day that thought this. You know, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. Not today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next week. But you know what the Word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians 6 2? He says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So, we have both seen and heard. The question now is, what's our response? What's our response? If you have never given your life to Jesus, why not today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the incredible example you've given us through Jesus. Thank you for the works and the words. Thank you, Father, that you have given us this day 
as an opportunity to come to you. And Father, it is by your stripes that we are healed. It is not of ourselves. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all sinned and fallen short of your glory. But because of your incredible mercy and love, you have said today is a day of salvation. Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand.